Hello and welcome to the 4 Comic Junkies Podcast. When the comics aren't enough and you need a little extra fix. That's you taking a hit of the 4 Comic Junkies Podcast. We are a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by the dadgum original Batman on film. And folks, do we have an epic ending to Watchmen Month for you today. That's right. Jesse and I are digging in... Digging in? Ugh, I've already ruined this. I'm sorry. We are digging into Watchmen, the HBO series. <gasps> oh my gosh. Best show ever. Am I right? I am right. It's pretty great. Uh, we're very excited. Uh, you know, I, I watched the show and I was just floored by how much I... I, I loved it. And Jesse, you know, he was a little late to the game. He was like, hey, this show's great. And I was like, I know, dude, I tried to tell you that. But, uh, but yeah, but in all seriousness, you know, we were both huge fans. And uh, we wanted to kind of dig into it and, you know, give our, uh, give our honest views on it. Um, this episode was a lot of fun. It's always so much fun talking all this, uh, all this shit with Jesse. You know, it's, it's what we do with our daily lives anyway. So, what the heck, why not record it? It's a lot of fun. If you are looking for more 4 Comic Junkies content, you can find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at 4ComicJunkies, or you can email me 4ComicJunkies at gmail.com. And without further ado, let's get on with the episode. Watchmen! All right, here we are once more talking <clears throat> Watchmen. This time we're talking Watchmen on HBO. I'm sorry. Can you turn my thing down just a hair? Hair. Fine. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. The, my my headphones. They're really loud. Is that too, better? Too much. That Check. Better? Talk again. Is that better? Say we're gonna talk about Watchmen. We're gonna talk about Watchmen. That's good. That's good. All right. Jesus Christ. It was loud in I'm, my ears. Well, you know what? Your mom is loud in my ears. You wish. <laughs> Sometimes she is. Um, so anyway, what are we talking about? Watchmen. Oh yeah, that show was great. Watchmen. Um, HBO Max. HBO. Well, it was just HBO. Now it's on HBO Max. Oh right. Yeah. So it uh, it came out. Uh, let's see, it was twenty the end of twenty nineteen, and uh, strangely relevant to always <laughs> in yeah and even more relevant as time has gone on especially throughout 2020 with uh the black lives matter movement you know the, the murder of george floyd and beyond taylor and um it's it's really interesting that the show much like the book was so dense and so heavy um in the hands of a i was thinking about this a lot in the hands of a lesser writer it would have just been like like you know dan and laurie's kid right the adventures of night owl three or whatever um or you know the next silk, silk specter or whatever um or even worse than that it could have been just like five years later and the watchman trying to undo what adrian did or something i don't know um so i think setting it in present day was really really smart and we do follow some of the characters from the original but 
it's almost it's mostly brand new characters yeah and and it's a new conflict yeah yeah it's it's a different kind of conflict for yep. sure i think you spend most of the season it's just a one season show right uh trying to unravel what's actually happening and similar to the book you know it all comes to a head towards the end of the season mm. and you're you're absolutely right the the use of every episode every scene was so economical mm-hmm. every literally every decision that was made was intentional and has some kind of payoff either it's uh, an homage to the original or mm-hmm. th- there's just so many themes that are explored it, it's a very rich story it's it's really great in the sense that there's you know same with the the book and they're both obviously very visual mediums uh, so having that not just some of the dialogue kind of comes back but some of the imagery comes back um, that that's one of the first things even that first scene with the cop where he pulls over the guy you know he's wearing a face mask that's yellow mm-hmm. that you know is very similar to the yellow pin that the comedian wears that's the first thing I noticed mm-hmm. um, and then of course the end of the first episode where the blood drops on the on the badge yeah yeah which, oh man it was oh, it was so good yeah it's and it's interesting because <clears throat> it is very similar to the uh, to the book where it starts off with a murder mystery, you know, who killed yeah. Judge Crawford. Um, although in this case, we're told directly it's, you know, um, Will Reeves. He's like, oh, I killed your, yeah, you know, I killed your. But you know, there's like more to it. You're like, this guy shows up. He's really old. He's he's handicapped. Yeah. And they they spend that first episode building up the, uh, he's the captain. Yeah. They you know, showing like how good of a guy he is with um Rashida King's family Regina King Regina King's family <laughs> you you're just left with all these questions yeah um it and i love that much much like the comedian uh you know who's killed off he's he's killed off even before the book starts right so it's so interesting that just like that character this isn't just like a one-off character. It's like, oh, he's killed. Now we have to figure out who killed him. You learn, you still learn about him. He's in, he's in most of the episodes, I think, uh, if not all of them. Um, I don't think he's in all of them, but um, you really get a really good sense of who he is throughout the show. And you know when he's involved with uh, you know Cyclops and the Seventh Cavalry, and it's just like, holy shit, like this. This is so well crafted. I think you could say that about any of the characters. They all, they all are so intertwined with each other. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that's you know what the creator set out to do, and I think he he nailed it. Where yep. you know the the Watchmen book, all those characters just bleed into each other's lives, and I think the show does as well. When you look at characters like Looking Glass, mm-hmm. um. You know everything that happened in the past and how it it has a payoff in the future. Mm-hmm. Everyone is just part of this bigger story. It's so good. Yeah, I I thought this one had you know the the show over the the book had a little bit more of a happy ending though. You know, um, well actually like definitely because uh, you know you have uh, like at the end of 
Watchmen, it's sort of like they just sort of agree to keep things quiet and move on with their lives. Um, whereas in this one, it 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 feels like like you know like justice justice is served, right? Like Lady True gets her comeuppance, and uh, yeah, and then they go after Adrian. Yeah, and I guess you know like three hundred cops die as opposed to like three million people. Yeah, so that's definitely happier. <laughs> well, that wasn't quite what I was going for. <laughs> less less people died this time around. Yeah, yes. Um, but man, what a what a journey. And, you know, I, was, I was thinking about this. You know, it's like when we were with Nico, um, and even when I recorded with Ryan for Doomsday Clock, I was like, we could spend an hour on each chapter, and pro- you know, and probably not get to everything we want to talk about. And I thought about that you know the the show as well it's like we could spend an hour on each episode and mm-hmm. probably still not get through everything we want to talk about um one thing i was curious about with you and I, we had talked about this before i think um did you suspect that dr manhattan wasn't on mars that he actually was cal um i don't think i did i think i was really surprised i knew something Actually, no, I don't think I suspected him. I th- I think for most of the, like, the first half of the show, I'm like, man, this guy, he's kind of, he's kind of a wimp. Like, <laughs> he, he was never the one to, like, spring to action. She was. Right. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, they must really love each other or something. <laughs> um, so then when he came out, I did think the show, the show took a big uh, turn because I, I really enjoy the Looking Glass character. He's my favorite character in the show. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, like, not as prominent in the end of the show because it kind of changed directions towards John. Mm-hmm. But it was still really good, what, what they did with John. And it all made sense, you know. You know, people are trying to take his powers, and John's trying to live a normal, happy life. That mm-hmm. That's what all came to a head. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it sucks, actually, because it – that twist got spoiled for me. Oh, that sucks. So, and, and like I, before you even started? No, I, I think no, no, it wasn't before I, I started because the plan was to wait till the show was over, you know, do a seven day free subscription of HBO and then oh. and then cancel it. So in between yeah. as the episodes were coming out. Yes, uh, and I was not happy about that, but um, but luckily it's like I think the show was so good that as it went on. Not that I forgot about it, but I was like, oh, I see. I kind of see what they're doing. Uh, so it was a little bit of a blessing and a curse. Mostly a curse because I was not Well, yeah, even it. if you knew it was him, you didn't really know, like, how he – how was he human now and didn't right. know who he was. And black. <laughs> and black. <laughs> yeah, because that, that was a big twist. But um, it, 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 it was interesting where I I remember just – kind of going through it thinking like like you know even like before with all the uh promotional stuff that i i watched in the trailers i was like man like you know is is dr manhattan even going to be in the show like you know because they they would show that clip of him on mars which was obviously fake um yeah which was kind of like a recreation from that from the comic right where it's like the satellite image yeah 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 and so I thought that that was interesting. And it was funny because I remember this did not get spoiled for me, but it was um, it, it, annoyingly obvious because they kept saying, 
I forget what name they gave him, but they said like, you know, uh, Jeremy Irons is playing, you know, somebody. Like, they're just like a you know surprise character, something like that. And immediately I was like, it's Adrian Veidt. Yeah, just, I mean, just fucking say it's Adrian Veidt. <laughs> and and when they went to Comic Con that year before the show premiered. They They're had, like, do you know who he is? Well, that literally, that's what they said. They had the cast list up, you know, for the the online ad for New York Comic Con. They said Regina King is playing um, Sister Knight. Sister Knight and Jeremy Irons probably playing exactly who you think he's playing. Oh, nice. And I was like, I was like, then why even do this? <laughs> because it's not till um, I think episode three that he finally says, "I'm," you know, when he's you know dictating the letter to Mrs. Crookshanks. You know, oh yeah, yeah. He says, you know. Yeah, I remember Adrian Veidt. I think I knew. I mean, you could just tell. Yeah. But yeah, he was in the castle, and he's doing all these weird, weird things with <laughs> all these people that look the same. <laughs> that that's a great little side plot in and of itself. Yeah, and it's it's interesting where you don't know like what is going on, and I and I thought that the buildup of it. Yeah, as far as him, you don't know because he's doing, you know, he does the play and he like kills the people and you're like, you're you're probably thinking he's like in Europe somewhere. Right. Like you have no idea that he's not on Earth. Right. And you're like, geez, where, where is this going? This, this is the one thing that doesn't tie into anything. Right. But then it ties in like so much. It was, it was a little bit like kind of the Black Freighter of it, right, where it, it's this side plot that it's like what, what's going on here and and then it uh finally comes to a head because he's he, when you realize his story catches up yeah at, at the very end because you see the statue of him right in, right in true's uh yeah know, and i forget on. did um when did they say he's on europa i i know there's the episode that opens with like him pulling the embryos out of the lake that's when you're like, oh, this is like something kind of sci-fi. But do you already know he's like on the moon at that point? Um, I don't think so. I think because he makes mentions of it. Yeah, through, that, through, that but, he had to ne- like harvest them and grow them. Right, but he never explicitly says, you know, I'm I'm on another planet or I'm on I'm on the moon of Jupiter or whatever. Um, yeah, but same with the uh, the game warden guy. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is like this is a legit guy that's like keeping him here as a prisoner. I, I thought that too because I thought it was like, oh, he's under house arrest. Like at first, I was like, yeah. oh, he's under hi- house arrest. He got found out uh from Yeah, and he's confined to this castle. Right. He can't really do anything. And then it's like and then when he tries to build the uh the catapult. Yeah, and the and the he puts uh it's Crookshanks and who's the, who's the guy? What the fuck was his name? Phillips, Mr. Phillips. Oh yeah, Mr. Phillips. Okay, so he puts him in the thing, and and you know, and it's just like because they don't show it. He just shows him putting putting him on the suit, and he says, "Are you ready?" And then the next shot, like he's dead. Yeah. And you're just like, and he's like, "Damn it!" <clears throat> it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? Like it, and I knew it started to realize at that point, like, okay, something's up here. Like he's clearly not on Earth. I mean. Probably not, at least, because that looks like somebody was like exposed to outer space. Right, right. So it was really interesting. Yeah, and I mean, his performance, I think, was 
you know, in the in the Watchmen book, Adrian's my favorite character. Yep. And he's, you know, the pinnacle of, you know, peak perfection physically and mentally. Came up with this pretty terrible, sinister plan. Um, but it worked. And mm. so now he's this 30-year-old, older version. He's starting to, I guess, you, he's not a burnout, but you can see he's like, he seems kind of behind. Yeah. When you, when you, when he, in his conversations with like Lady True, where she's just so certain about everything, like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm building this giant machine. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to steal his powers. And you see it on his face and he's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like things are starting to become beyond him. I think Jeremy Irons probably did that intentionally, but did it really well. He's fantastic throughout it. Um, Much better than Matthew Good in the, in the movie. Um, yeah, I I feel like some of that might have been his direction. Maybe, yeah. His writing. Um, it he just tried to play like the the cool, collected, like slow. I it it didn't work for Adrian. Yeah, because I I don't I don't think of Adrian as being that like calm, cool, and collected. Because I don't think he was that way in the book. He's very emotional. Um, yeah, yeah, he's passionate, yep. and he's like the better word, yes. Um. He, he's very warm yeah. to, like, everyone. Yeah. And that that's not what came through. You know, he, he, he everything about him says, oh, he is this perfect person until you find out his plan. And you're like, okay, dude, you are very, very skewed yeah. in your views. Um, I, you know, it, it's in keeping with that uh, thought process for a second, um, I love – and I think it was absolutely 100% the right choice for this to be a sequel to the book over the movie. Um, yeah. Oh, if I could if I could give them one praise only, it was that they decided to do the sequel of the book and not the movie. And I knew it. I, I, I don't think I was 100% sure how it was going to go. I mean, you know, we've talked about this a lot on the on the podcast, but they're obviously they are very similar with the exception to the ending. Um but it wasn't until in the first episode when the squids start to fall that I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, that, that set off red flags for me right away. I was like, because as the viewer, you know that that was all fake. Yep. But you're like, oh, this is happening? Why? Yeah. I, I kind of figured it was something, in, you know, and I ended up being right when they said, um, I think it's, it's either Lady True or Dr. Manhattan when they go visit him in the Arctic. And, they're, and he's like... Uh, um, oh yeah. yeah. Well, he explains it. Yeah, he has he has the thing. I was like, I was like, I, I figured it was something like that. Yeah. That he was still trying to keep up appearances. Yeah, even though it, it clearly wasn't working. And True even says that she's like, you know this, you know this is the same trick. You you can't like you have to do something different. Well, I think it was it was working. Like people still believed that there was, you know, extraterrestrial life, but they. It, it had become commonplace like like uh one of the characters says like oh people just pull their car over now and wait yeah wait for the rain to stop and then they go back about their business right i think it's at the support group um that wade is in with yeah. all the people who are traumatized and she's like no one no one is like scared out of their minds that aliens are falling from the sky yeah yeah which is probably the impact adrian wanted mm-hmm. but it's like lady true said it's not working anymore right and you know you have that, that just that little group, which is probably 
obviously it's deliberate, but it, you know when you think about it, they're they sort of represent the populace in a way, right? Because like if they're the one percent that are scared, then of course. Well, I think um, I think who someone says it, Lady True, that you know three million people die, but then like ten million were within range of the psychic blast. Yeah. So they're the ones who are. You know, like wait, completely in fear for the rest of their lives, yeah. and uh, will never really recover from it. Yeah, I think that's what that group was representing. Um, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I love that Wade has the, like, the Looking Glass mask isn't just like for show. Yeah, he wears it because oh, he, th- yeah, yeah. he thinks it's going to protect him from a and psychic. And Lori blast. calls him on that. Yeah, like she's like, oh, I see, you were in the psychic blast, and. Now you have an excuse to to wear the foil twenty four seven, and then in the next scene he takes his ball cap off and his ball cap is lined with the foil as well. And yep. you're you're like, oh, she was right. He is still completely afraid that um, it could happen again. When, and understandably, when you see that scene, oh yeah, when when he gets and and such a um. What a that's a traumatizing event in and of itself. Oh that, yeah, <laughs> that we he, talked about that when we were rewatching. So yeah. you have this incredibly religious, sheltered kid. Yep, goes to New Jersey to like a fair where the worst of the worst people are out. He's supposed to be like converting people. He ends up having a little a little situation with a woman. Thinks he's sinned. And so he ends up naked, and he thinks, oh, "Okay, this is this is the punishment I get yep. for the sin." And then everyone gets killed, and he walks out to see all the carnage. And he's been hit with a psychic blast, so now he's thinking, "I sinned, and all these people are dead." Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't think he's coming back from that. What, <laughs> what timing? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Maybe there is a god, and he's like, Haha, "Fuck you, kid." <laughs> And I can I just say that that reveal of the monster was what we should have got in the movie. It, I mean, it looked incredible. It's and probably it, only twenty like, seconds long. Yeah, yeah. But it, oh, I wish it was in the movie. It, it was great. I think if the movie had been made, because when the movie was made, that's when, um, you know, it's like X the X Men movies and <clears throat> Spider Man movies and obviously the Batman movies were much more quote-unquote realistic so i think yeah you couldn't go too out there yeah in, in their minds making the movie they were like well you know let's uh, you know let's pare it down what what would be a better ending probably uh-huh. if the humanity unites against dr manhattan over an alien squid so i get the decision and at the time i didn't care but as the years have gone on i'm a little bit like eh, you know i still get it but i think audiences could have handled it oh yeah i mean it it didn't take too long for audiences to really get behind the team up movie with the Avengers and everything. Um, you know, that I, I remember all these analysts <clears throat> just stay on that tangent for one second. The, all these analysts saying, Oh, the Avengers is going to fail. Like nobody wants to see this big team up movie. And even all the trailers were very Iron Man focused. Cause that was the most, you know, uh, successful of the Marvel movies at that time. And then the movie made a billion dollars like instantly (laughs) well i could just see studios thinking like well we can't put a giant squid as the climax of the film like audiences aren't going to understand they're gonna they're gonna be one creeped out and two like this what is this Mm -hmm. but i mean just look at the the reception the book got if if people read the book and they're like oh no this is great they would 
do the same thing for the movie. Yeah. Um, and especially since the movie did so many other things right. Like, yeah. all the characters, all the casting. Like, they had all the pieces there. Yeah. They were, like, afraid. I think. Yeah. Fucking ass. But anyway, in the show, <laughs> that scene, it was great. It was, it was damn near perfect. Yeah. Um, and such a... And I love that the show really... It, it doesn't... I don't know how to put this. It's like, it's not a slow burn, really. Like, stuff is revealed over, in pretty much every episode. There's some huge reveal. But it never but it never feels like it drags. Like, I never felt like, like okay, like let's get back to the action, you know. I didn't even realize it until I was listening to a podcast with Damon Lindelof when he said that she stops wearing the Sister Night costume after, like, episode four. I didn't even realize it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, she, do- she doesn't put the costume back on. Um, Is that because of uh, when she sees the memories of her grandfather? Or or it's not, like, a conscious decision? I don't think it's a conscious decision. I think it's more story. But, um, but yeah, that's when it starts, I think. If that's the last time. Because she's in the costume when she takes the nostalgia. Um, which I think... I that's my favorite episode actually. Um, the flashback episode. Yeah, it was so well filmed, where it would flip from um, Angela to yeah. Will and um, throughout the stages of his life, um, and and then how uh, Lori would kind of. It's such, it's such like a trip where she would kind of be walking down the street talking to her like Angela. Yeah. Like, can you hear like me? There the whole time. Yeah, a really good way to show like a tripping out scene. Yeah. But talk about um, Lindelof going back to the Minutemen. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know a lot about all the Minutemen. Who's the one we know the least about? Totally yep. like rewriting that character's origin and just to like epic proportions. Um, yeah, the the Hooded Justice character really like even in the before Watchmen comic books they didn't do much with him. Um, so and it's funny watching it, and I thought you know, holy shit, this makes so much sense. It's like they just looked at it and went, well, duh, he's got the noose around his neck, he's got the hood on. Yeah. Uh, you know, that makes perfect sense. And and then have, and I like that they still kept the relationship with Captain Metropolis, but even then, um, it's like, so they're, they're kind of lovers on the side. Um, and I think Will finally feels safe there with the Minutemen, where he's like... For a minute. Yeah. Until he realizes that they, for them, it's more of a spectacle. Yeah. You know, they they fight crime, but it's more about the fanfare where he's, like, actually trying to fight injustice yep. against his people. It's And it's really interesting, I think, his story. Um, you know, we, <clears throat> we were talking about this when we were watching it. Um, so the opening scene of the show with the Tulsa Massacre... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Black Wall Street. I had no idea that that, that was a real thing. And because to me, it was just like they're they're showing this thing. And I was like, oh, well, you know, of course, KKK coming in and killing all these black people like duh, like, that. you know, I mean, it's just that didn't seem out of place in a story that they were trying to tell um, until it's like, oh, no, like this, this actually happened in real life. And I was like, how come I never knew about this? And it, and that's, I don't and, remember learning about it either. No, it, you, it's not taught in school. That's the thing. Um, it's kind of strange. It's, well, 
It, it, is, it is and it isn't because... I mean, I took a modern American history course. I don't remember that at all. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, chalk it up to whatever... It would have been like the ni- early 1900s. It was 1912, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, Tennessee Coates, I guess, wrote a book about it. And that's what Damon Lindelof was... Uh, you know, he'd, <clears throat> he'd read that. He didn't know about it. And he wanted to incorporate that into the show. And... And you know, and I love the fact that there's these, even though he, you know, he has nothing to do with Watchmen. There's these interesting homages to Superman throughout the uh, throughout the series, which is funny because you know technically Watchmen is in the DC universe, right? And I I totally agree. The you, you can tell him. Yeah, yeah. The um, so Will's father putting him in the in the carriage, being the only survivor of you yeah. know. "Quote unquote," the only survivor of the Tulsa massacre, is so. I, and and it, that's textbook Superman. Right yeah, there. it's like you know he's sent away from a dying world, so to speak, and then even later, uh, the family that owns the farm, they're the Clarks, and mm. they, <laughs> you know, and I think I think the mother's name might even be, or the woman's name might even be Lois. Um, I might be wrong about that, but they, you know, Lady True shows up and says, "I brought you a child." And I want your land. Oh yeah, that whole scene. Yeah, and that scene is so. <clears throat> That's when I I really liked Lady True as like a villain, yeah. where she's like I. Uh, I forget what she says. Something about um. You know I, I don't have time. I only have time for like the most important thing, and she's like, and for the next five minutes, you are the most important things in my world. Yeah, and has the hourglass. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I want your farm. I'm going to buy it. I know you don't want to sell it. Here's a kid. I know you want a kid. I already made a kid. So you can take it or I can just dispose of it. Like, yeah, totally manipulates that family it, in a few minutes. And I love that scene because for as outlandish and bizarre as that situation is, it every one of them plays it so well. Yeah, we're at first... That you, At first, the wife is really against it. She's like, get the fuck off my but land. But then the dad is like, well, wait a minute. And he gets on board. And yeah. then she gets on board. Like, they cave in totally. And it's and having that hourglass. Again, and I love the the weird mix of technology throughout the show. Um, like, Angela has a beeper. And, you know, Lady True has this literal hourglass, you know, that has like. Yeah, well, I thought of, like, the doomsday clock. I'm like, oh, this is another timepiece. But it's. It's an hourglass. Right. And she, you know, and and it was filmed so well where you kind of, when you're like, it immediately ramps up the tension. Yeah. And I remember kind of being, first time watching it, being on the edge of my seat going, what the fuck is going to happen? <laughs> What's going to happen when that sand runs out? <laughs> it's like, she's going to kill that baby. Uh, but uh, so I just looked up her name, uh, Hong Chow, uh, who plays Lady True. She, I mean, that performance it's really hard to play a, a villain that's a sociopathic narcissist and not make it over the top. She, I think yeah. she, I think she's 100% believable throughout, yeah, throughout the show. I, totally believable. It was it was not until like the last episode where I'm like, "Man, how did in my head I was thinking, how did you not see this coming?" Like she she got emotional, which is how she slipped up where yep. She wanted Adrian back to watch, yeah. and um, then she killed the senator guy. Yeah. Well, no, she didn't kill him. He basically killed himself because— Well, but she had planned that. Well, yeah, yeah. 
I guess she knew. Oh, she she goes over and she's like, let's check on him and opens the door and all the blood spills out, which is how John is able to transport them away. Yeah. You know, if she hadn't made these like emotional like, oh, I have to rub in what I've done here. She might have got away with it. Yeah, which would be utterly terrifying. It just yeah. goes to show, like, just go to <clears throat> people, go to therapy. You know, <laughs> your, your daddy issues ain't gonna solve nothing. I think Adrian even says, like, he he makes some comment, like, what, whatever her little blue feet would touch, like, he knows right <laughs> away, like, what she would become if she got the power. Yeah, and it's something that I don't, that even if Adrian had thought of it back in the day, he wouldn't, he didn't want the power. He wanted humanity to do it themselves, to come together and stop stockpiling yeah, nuclear arms. Yeah. His heart's in the right place, but not his actions. Yeah, and it sort of gets worse as the as the show goes on. Um, but uh, what a what an amazing performance! Another great string of um, motifs, I guess you could say, is. Uh, the opening scene with Will Reeves in the movie theater watching the sheriff. So you have a black sheriff yep. who catches a corrupt um, lawman. Yeah. Or is he? No, he, yeah. Is he's he a, like a marshal? He's like a black marshal. Yeah. And and he's and and the townspeople are like string him up, string yeah. him up. Yeah. And so you have like all, this whole like brew of different. You know, they're gonna hang a guy, but it's it they're hanging a white guy this time. Yeah. And. Then he becomes a cop. Then realizes he's limited as what to what he can do as a cop, and puts on the mask. So he's already playing into both of those uh, those tropes he saw as a kid. That gets passed down to his son, who be who joins the military in mm-hmm. Korea yep. or Vietnam. No, no, it's uh, it's World War One or two. I think it's one actually. Because Where? I think it's Will that's. Where, where Angela is born when she's a little kid. Oh, that's Vietnam, yeah. Yeah, okay. Vietnam. And so then little baby An- Angela has the movie of Sister Knight. Yeah. Her dad is like, I, I guess he's, is he military police or just yeah. in the army? Yeah. But then she totally like becomes a cop and wears the mask. Like through generations, this just gets passed down. And I, I thought all of that was blended so well. And it ties into um, that that support group scene because the one guy says, you know, I read somewhere that trauma can be passed on through your genes. He's like, so I wasn't there. I wasn't born yet in the, in oh, the squid attack. Right. And then I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I remember watching that scene and thinking like, yeah, OK, <laughs> but that's total that again, totally intentional. They're trying yeah. to show. Because then you look at Lady True, who's Adrian's daughter, mm-hmm. taking on the same trying to conquer the world type of attitude. Yeah. Wow. God, that's good. It's, I mean, like I said, we could spend an hour on <laughs> every chapter. Not, um, not to mention the first time Sister Knight suits up and Trent Reznor's like awesome music is playing. It, it was very deliberately 80s, you know, like uh, the music, I think. And even when the car like pulls out, it reminded me of RoboCop because she like pulls out and the the back of the car like hits the hits the pavement. And I was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm getting like pumped up. I want yeah, to exactly. sister and I kick some ass. That's a really smart way to open the show because you're playing to, you know, 
that male audience that loves the action scenes, yeah, it, the, it totally won me over. The the superhero trope kind of thing, you know. She's suiting up, it's all deliberate and Yeah. <clears throat> you know, she spray paints her face, you know, which we've always joked about with, you know, the Michael Keaton bit <clears throat> in <laughs> Batman yeah. Returns. I still <clears throat> that must be hard to wash off. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Well, you know, <clears throat> Like she has to go home and see her kids and wipe that off, and no one, no one can know. <laughs> maybe, <clears throat> maybe in that that alternate timeline, it's a little different. Um, well, it's funny because there was a, um, a a bit where she says something about, yeah, you know, it's in the classroom when she says something about being um, uh, born in Vietnam, and some something later about being American, and I was just like. She's born in Vietnam. She's not American. It doesn't make any sense. And I was like, oh, right. Because in the Watchmen world, Vietnam yeah. became the 51st state. Because Dr. Manhattan, you know, won the war for them. Yeah. And and I like how that that plays into it, you know. And, and that's such a great episode. The A god walks into a bar, and he goes into mm. the bar to talk to her. And, and she's like, well, you know, if you knew anything about me, you'd know I hate Dr. Manhattan. Because of everything he did in Vietnam, then he sparked this riot that or this suicide bomber that killed my parents and it's just like whoa like <laughs> yeah, I wonder how many times they had to write and rewrite that scene because you have you know, you have typical John, you know, puzzle talk where he's talking in circles. Yep. You have a- uh Andrea who is like trying An- who, who's not believing him Angela what did I say? Andrea. Andrea? I'm thinking of Adrian. <laughs> Look at all these names. There's too many A's. <laughs> Basically, they had to they had to like give information to the viewer through this conversation that yep. had to appear natural, like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not Dr. Manhattan and I'm gonna brush you off. Because that talk that whole conversation takes up a lot of the episode. Like they talk for a long time. It it's very well bookended too because it 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 goes throughout it and it goes throughout their history um and i think are they intersplicing it with shots of them together yeah 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 and it's so it's really really well put together um and and i love that you know it's like we didn't really need an explanation as to why he chose the calvin or the cow body that he chose but we get it um we didn't really you know, and, and even I was it's funny because I got so used to seeing uh, Yahya as uh, as 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 John and Dr. Manhattan that when they showed him as a boy when his family was escaping Germany. Yeah. And he was You're a like, little he was a little white boy. I was like, <laughs> I was like, why is he white? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> he was white in the book. <laughs> but I thought that they. um it makes you wonder why in the original book he never took on his human form. Does he ever talk about that? Like, he could. He could make himself look like anyone. Yeah, no, they they didn't. Um, he That's just, interesting. He, you know, he's just so apathetic, I think. He just yeah. doesn't care. He's like, I'm, this is who I am, you know. Take it or leave it. <laughs> um, but uh, and then he ends up leaving. <laughs> I love the way you said that. Yeah. was <laughs> <laughs> it. I'm fucking blue guy. He wears those those shorts. <laughs> I, I I I love that line. <laughs> you look stupid in those pants. <laughs> Can we talk about Laurie? 
Absolutely. She, I think she's one of the best characters in the yeah. entire fucking thing. Well, talking about a, a character who I would say is one of one of the weaker ones in the book. Absolutely. And they were able to really kick her up a notch. Give she, give her a lot more layers. She really becomes her father throughout this. She's just very jaded and sarcastic and she 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 brings a lot of humor and a lot of uh, pathos to yeah. to the story because And it's that dry humor. Yeah. You know, like and she's like Sir, I'm with the FBI. Are your rights being violated? He's like, absolutely, ma'am. He's like, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just, and then like when, she, guy. <laughs> when she goes, when she goes into the uh, the pod, she's like, ah, so it's a racist detector. And he's like, well, it's a little more complicated than that. And she's like, sure, whatever. It's a racist detector. <laughs> um, it's it's just so funny because she comes in and she just sort of owns everything mm-hmm. and and really upsets the balance of all these characters but not and it's it's done really well where you i don't feel like it wasn't earned or anything well i think her motivations are always i have to catch you know she she's the mask catcher right is like that's her job now Mm -hmm. but i think quickly she starts to realize like there's more going on in tulsa but then they go into you know she's still having a She's still going through stuff, you know. She she clearly misses John yeah. or misses that part of her life, um, and I think the scene where where she sleeps with the FBI guy, where she makes him wear the mask, mm-hmm. similar to Dan. Yeah, you know, it's I, it all felt very organic. That's the only plot thread, and may, probably deliberately, that they never talk about is that uh, Senator Keene, when he goes to see her in her apartment, he says like. You know, if you do this, you know, then maybe we can get your owl out of that cage. So somewhat implying that maybe that Dan is locked I up somewhere. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking why they chose not to include Dan, because they pretty much show, like, every other character. Yep. But not Dan. Yeah, and even that, um, you know, she has that painting of him in the in the house. Like, they, they, they reference to him a little, but I don't know, maybe they, they must have thought he didn't you know fit into the story they were telling but i just thought it was an interesting choice like if you're if you're sitting down for the first time to think like okay i'm making a sequel i don't think you're thinking about like oh should i include this character and not this character it must have just happened like as they were writing it yeah um i mean it's it's an unresolved plot thread in an otherwise it's not even really a plot thread as much as it was just sort of a line kind of thrown in there so i don't know call it that but um <laughs> she had that she had that dildo oh yeah it was massive and it was in like one of those steel briefcases <laughs> like oh shit this is her fbi gear oh no no but it's a doctor doctor manhattan dildo that's the size of my fucking arm <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ um yeah i'm sure it's a hot seller i would i would assume so um but yeah it's you know, she comes in, and she—I mean, she just nails it in every scene. You know, uh, it's so funny. I was, you know, when we were rewatching it, thinking like, "What's funny is that Gene Smart is such a phenomenal actor," and part of my brain is going, "I'm thinking that because she's selling this character so fucking well, but also she's the depression kitty <laughs> in Big Mouth." <laughs> <laughs> so you know, 
what a what a range that she has. Uh, and she has one of my I was th I've been thinking about this line a lot. She has such an incredible line that cuts through to I think superhero tropes in general. And she says, "You know why people wear masks? It's to hide their pain." And Angela's like, "Why well, wear a mask to protect myself?" And she's like, "Yeah, from the pain." Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I was like, you know, just think about Batman. You know, think about Spider Man. These people that have these traumas in their life that you can't deny it a little bit. Um, good old Superman. He doesn't have to wear a mask. He doesn't have any trauma. Well, I mean, kind of a lot actually. But <laughs> yeah, he hides it in his cape. Yeah, that's where that is, <laughs> or his glasses. <laughs> um yeah what you know and i think that what's great about her character is she comes in trying to be not even trying to be she's very intimidating but angela doesn't fall for it like when she's talking to her in the crypt and then angela's just like Whoo, you know she does that like oh i'm so scared yeah it's just it's so i was like fuck yeah like i'm so excited like seeing these characters kind of go head to head yeah well i just love that she she tears down everyone so quickly she tears down wade she tears down angela mm -hmm. like it's nothing like she's so intelligent she figures like everyone out right away yeah and, and it's and, and it makes sense to her character because she had lived through it she had seen what people the toll it took you know on her mother and her friends that you know were all all wore masks she so it's like you can't bullshit me because I was there. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. I also love that scene where she goes to see um, the captain's wife mm -hmm. and she's, she's like in her living room and the wife goes to like hit the switch to open the trap door and it like misfires. And she's like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like and she doesn't react right away. And then she hits it again and she falls. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> so, it's like, she's like, genuinely hilarious throughout yeah. it um but it, but again uh you know really really great lines like you know that that episode and it, it's almost like the rorschach bit uh from the comedian funeral scene where she's telling the joke yeah and i because i thought a lot about that and that music that's playing throughout it is so like i, I don't know foreboding i guess would be the word like it's just like wait what is she doing like what is happening here um that I read this thing. I, I had no idea. Um, do you remember there's a scene where all of a sudden Angela starts chasing down that silver guy? Yep. And he like pours the oil all over himself and yep. slips down the sewer? Yeah. I read some fan theory that that is the FBI guy that she was sleeping with. Oh, really? <laughs> that he has, you know, he's he's obsessed with all of the masks. Right. Um. And he's trying to, like, secretly bring them back. And I was like, it kind of makes sense because <clears throat> they never talk about who that guy is or why he's there. Yeah. But he's in Tulsa at the same time uh, the FBI guy is. Right. It totally made sense. It, it does. And, and that's another, you know, probably a bigger unresolved plot thread than the than the Dryberg thing. But it just – I remember, like, being like, oh, like, what, what's this? What's going on there? And then, like, at the end of the show going, I had, like, forgotten about it. And yeah. then I, I saw something that was, like – the lube guy yeah the lube guy and i was like i was like oh yeah what the fuck happened to him <laughs> um maybe it's a deleted scene somewhere i don't know maybe. but um i think you know the <clears throat> the reveal with um 
Cal being John, um, is done. It. I. I just remember feeling like, because you know she grabs like the hammer. She's like, you, you know, gotta, you gotta wake up, baby. And he's like, he's like, my name's not John. She's like, yeah, it is. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> and you know, and then you know, you get that whole history when he goes to see Adrian. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, how did you? So how'd you know it was me? And it's like, you know, only Dr. Manhattan would show up in his birthday suit or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so it's just like, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's Dr. Manhattan just walking yeah, around. the good Jeremy Irons. <laughs> you know, he's walking around all naked in the Arctic. And that's, uh, and, and, and Adrian's not even, like, phased. It's like this, this dude, he essentially doesn't know. And he just immediately figures it out. He's like, oh, yeah, you're probably Adrian's drunk. smart. Yeah, well, yeah. Um. And that's why that uh, that reveal it works so well because it's just like <laughs> you know because I thought that about Doctor Manhattan in the book where I'm like this guy must be so frustrating to live with because you know if he's constantly like knowing what's gonna happen and everything and then like they did that scene where you know he keeps like teleporting away and she's just like motherfucker <laughs> she's like John I'm trying to talk to you <laughs> and he's just like wait I'm hungry. I'm going to make some food. <laughs> he just goes to, he's like, he's like, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, making waffles. Would you like some? <laughs> just like, what are you doing? Well, Janie and Lori put up with it because he doesn't have like a human identity to hide behind in that story. Right. Um, I guess that like 10 years of bliss, you know, we're just having sex in the closet all the time. Um, yeah. Must be worth I it. Bet it. I bet it was great. It looked pretty great. Um, <laughs> that, you know, it, you know the one of the interesting things about the book, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, the, the show, was bringing on, um, talking about the White Knight. And they mentioned that a few times. And, and that's how the they came up with the law that the police get to wear masks. And yeah, I thought that was a really clever off-screen uh, build-up to set up the series of events. Right. And... And and that also ties into how the Seventh Cavalry figure out who Doctor Manhattan is, because um, you know the one guy is going to shoot uh, Angela, and Cal zaps him away, not even realizing what he did, and he's like, he's like, you know, and and you know what happened was he calls me from Giza Flats, New Mexico, it's like, and that's where this guy was born. And I was just like, oh, yeah, because. <laughs> like, um, it's such an interesting way to tie everything together and because of the nature of how you have to write Dr. Manhattan I mean the, the entire show had yeah. to have been written before they filmed anything and, right. and not only that but it's like locked down so as an as the actors you know you, there's not really not much room for improv which is probably fine when you have a great script mm-hmm. um, but at the same time like I think sometimes it can be frustrating when you're an actor you know improv is a lot of fun but um, but at the same time, I mean the this the show was every time they revealed something or they built up to something or there was a new reveal from the flashback like Cal saving Angela, you're just like like oh yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Literally littered with payoffs. Yeah. Every episode. Yeah. Except for the lube guy. You know, what yeah. Him. He'll he'll be back. Maybe when he went into the sewer, like Pennywise was there. What if? What if like 
he broke his neck when he did that, and he's just still down there. <laughs> That's like a post-credit scene. So, by the way, he's body. dead. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. Don't worry about him. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah, that that also the White Knight stuff. Um, you know, Angela takes on her partner's kids. Yep, and like adopts them as her own. Mm-hmm. Which there's that scene with like the real grandfather, I think. Yeah. Uh, pretty early on. So already you're like, okay, that those aren't the real kids. And um I thought she I thought including that aspect of her personality that she's also this mother, um was very strong. Sort of a but also a reluctant mother because she only became their mother because her partner was killed because she says in the in the episode with dr manhattan the 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 bars episode that she never wants kids um yeah so maybe she did it out of you know duty responsibility yeah to her friend and you know which is a, a, a very realistic thing um but it just it was interesting um like when because you kind of figure it out right away when that you know she says you know she's in the classroom she's Showing them how she's gonna, uh, she's gonna bake cookies and everything. Um, that's what it was. Where I was confused. I was like, why is she saying Vietnam like so much? Like, first of all, she's black. Are there black people in Vietnam? Yeah. And then like I was like, oh yeah, yeah, all that. Just another way they connected those dots. Being having her be half black, half Vietnamese. Yeah. And, and also. Uh, or I guess she wasn't half. Black. I think she was. No, I, both her she parents would, were black. Yeah, the, both her parents were black, but she was born in Vietnam. Right. But in that timeline, it, it makes her still an American citizen. Um, but and it's and like right away, as soon as that kid says, "Oh, did you buy your bakery with red fridations?" It's like you get immediately like, yeah. "Holy shit!" This kid. That, that was one thing. I was like, I I just don't think kids are brave enough to. Talk to adults like that. I was like, uh, well, that happens all the time in TV and movies. Where who is this kid? Like, kids are so intelligent in TV and movies. Yeah. I'm like, come on. Well, when you're giving di- too much credit, when your dialogue is being written by forty year old <laughs> people. <laughs> I mean, look at like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, do kids talk like that? Like, you know, um, maybe in some cases. I mean, but... you could argue. Okay, maybe this kid grew up in a household where his parents complain about that situation a lot, so he's aware of it. But. Uh, that it, it was such an interesting way to it's like so that's like a new version of the n-word right and and then you know they show like the the nixonville you know, oh, yeah. all the trailers there and i just and i just sat there thinking like oh my gosh like what really blows what really blows my mind is how true this almost could be because I, I could almost see like a statue of trump instead of nixon and and a bunch of you know white people living in these trailers being like you know, hashtag not my president. You know what I mean? Like, it just, there was something. Yeah, and the fact that they wrote or they made this show, like, before all this stuff got really bad. Yeah. You yeah. know, that, I don't know if it was foresight or just luck, but. Uh, I mean, it definitely, it, it came from having, uh, and, and Damon Lindelof has said this, having a very diverse, you know, writer's room. And, Good way to do it. And, and he was very. He's always quick to say, you know, somebody will be like, oh, yeah, your Watchmen show is great. He's like, well, it's only great because I have this great group of writers, um, which is what you want to do. You want to surround yourself with people with different perspectives because he said he hired people that 
that loved the book and he hired people that had never read the book and and that helps give yeah different perspectives because the director of the diverse right and the director of the first episode she had, i guess she had never read the book or only read it once but she was the one that came up with the idea that when angela breaks the egg it she makes a smile out of it because mm. that's such a you know it's common like watchman thing yeah such a common thing throughout that i was like oh well that's cool. and eggs yeah <laughs> you know the scene with lady true in the farm yep. they grow or they sell eggs mm-hmm. and then obviously the eggs at the end um, you know, there's another thing that just popped in my head uh, that I, going back to what we were saying before about like, you know, not doing the squid because maybe that's not keeping with reality or whatever. It's like, it's interesting that they adapted interesting little bits from the books or from the book, like the police have the owl ship and Adrian has yeah. his costume from the book. Like he's not wearing like the movie costume. Or even like a pared down version of it. It's like, no, that's legit. The well, costume Adrian those wore. Those decisions or those choices, um, in a in a world where those things happened, you know, they'd still like exist. Yeah, I, I totally believe that. Well, I don't think the police. I think the military would have seized the airship and reverse engineered it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I could totally buy it. Yeah. I really loved that. In Tulsa, the police department, you know, once you became, like, the detective rank, you didn't have to wear the normal mask. You could kind of take on this persona. Yeah. I think it was such a cool, cool, fresh idea. I don't I don't necessarily think it would is believable. Like, if cops had to wear masks, I don't think you could dress up like um, that the one guy that wears the – the guy that dispatches the guns. Oh yeah, he's the, he has the panda. Yeah, yeah, the panda. Like I don't think that would fly. Yeah. Um, but it was so cool because they were all able, like the red menace guy. Mm-hmm. You know, the book had a lot of tensions with Russia. Yeah. Uh, and so now you have this guy on an American police force who is clearly Russian. You know, they just they were so good at going back to the original story. Pirate Jenny being kind yeah. of like, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, really a, it, you know, and, and yeah, maybe it, it isn't believable, but the show made it, at least made us accept it. So, oh, yeah. But right in that first scene with uh, the cop and, you know, the Rorschach mask, you know, um, he's like, he's, he's he like, you know, to, let, he needs to get his gun he's, he's released. Like, let, me, let me get my gun released. And I sat there thinking, like, man, like, isn't this like a little bit more idyllic where <laughs> don't we wish that the, you know, especially after like George Floyd and when well, he wasn't killed by a gun, but Breonna Taylor, uh, it's like, don't we wish the police, you know, had to have an excuse to pull their gun out as opposed to like, yeah, they can just. And and how they wrote they wrote that scene so well to raise tensions where when he finds out that it's the panda guy, mm-hmm. he's like, oh, no, 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 give me someone else because he knows he's a stickler for not releasing the guns. Yep. And he's like, okay. And then he's going through each question, like, "Do you feel you are in danger?" <laughs> like, hi. Yeah. Hi. He's like, "What is what is the chance that this guy is on drugs or alcohol?" And he's like, "Just give me my gun." And then it doesn't unlock right away, and he finally gets it, and then he gets shot. Like, it, that it, it's funny because the way it would it was buzzing, it just made me think of like apartment buildings where it's like it, the the door didn't open, yeah, buzz yeah. it again. It's you, still not. You hit the unlock and the and pull the handle at the same time. You, you like you <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Um, I try to do that if I uh, I'm delivering food and I'm and I hit the buzzer like 
I like I'm standing like right there. So as soon as I hear the buzz go off, I grab the handle. Oh yeah, because it's like you have like a, a millisecond. millisecond. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's really really annoying. Um, but yeah, but that scene, you know, and and uh, those guys adopting the the Seventh Cavalry adopting the Rorschach mask. Uh, so as their symbol of, you know, justice is just it, it it's funny because and it's not really said it's not said throughout the show. But we as the audience that's read the book, we we're sitting there going, dude, Rorschach would hate every one of you. <laughs> um, it's believable, though. You know, Rorschach was this guy who went after corruption. These guys feel, you know, other races are corrupt or or wrong you know totally not the right mindset but right. they adapt his what he stood for or what they think he stood for yeah and um yeah he'd mess him up yeah it it just it's such an interesting way to in a in a believable way to bring the rorschach element into it which um was uh which i i was happy with but it's also like because rorschach was one of my favorite characters in the book mm-hmm. but i didn't miss him in this you know mm-hmm. um well like looking glass was a great oh my god he's so good. you know in the original book rorschach comes out and says you know uh i put my face on and now i'm me you mm-hmm. know until he had his mask on he wasn't rorschach right and his homeless you know alter ego was just this facade it's exactly the same with wade where you know when he when the event happened in New Jersey, he was in a hall of mirrors. Mm-hmm. He takes the name Looking Glass. His day job is to sit behind a, a one or a two way mirror and analyze people. And yep. then what he does for the police, where he puts them in the you know the the lie detector pod. You know everything about him. He's not who he wants to be until he's wearing his mask, right. and he always wears the foil. Yeah. Ah. Uh, He's it, great. And then in the scene where he's in the car with Angela and he's like, got anything to eat? <laughs> and he pulls the mask up just over his mouth. Yeah. Just like Rorschach did when he ate the beans. Yeah. And then he's eating beans yeah. in the other scene. Yep. Yeah. He is Rorschach. <laughs> he's he's a great he's a great counterpart. Um and <laughs> and it's interesting where he whenever he takes the mask off, or if he if he does, he he still keeps it on, like he pulls right. it up to his forehead when he talks to the captain, you know. And he's like, "There, uh, there was a head of lettuce." And oh like, yeah. Were there any croutons? <laughs> Not that I could ascertain. <laughs> he's such a good actor. Yeah, he's he's incredible. I was really surprised when I saw that that mask was like completely CG'd. Yeah. So he must have just been miming it when he would like pull it up, mm-hmm. or maybe they put like a green. Uh, he wore a green mask. Yeah, what's well, like uh, that's how it was in the movie with Rorschach. Like his mask was CG, um, and you know, because obviously it makes sense with the moving bits to it. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was I think the best special effect in the show because yeah. I didn't know that until I saw that that thing. I was like, oh, cool! It just yeah. looked so cool too. Yeah, he wore like just a black suit with the silver mask, and uh, <laughs> and Lori like looks at him and she's like. You know, like picking it or something. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. like eh, I think, eh, I think I got it. <laughs> the only thing I wish they had done is that scene where like all the Seventh Cavalry guys show up at his house, like like ten of them. Yeah. And they go in, and he's there, 
the next episode starts with him already have incapacitated all of them and i'm like oh man i kind of wish we had gotten to see him yeah take them out um yeah it but that was a great bit too where it's like did they kill him like did he get away yeah. like what happened he and just then, shows up and uh, and then he's like he's like agent blake and she's like mirror guy <laughs> mirror guy what are you doing here <laughs> um but i love that it, it made sense for the three of them at the end uh lori adrian and and uh wade to go to the arctic because mm-hmm. when he's like when was the last time squids fell in tulsa and he knows right away yeah he says it like i mean he's like, he's like three weeks ago you know it's like well of course he would know because he probably like shit his pants as he probably logs all of it that well that like doomsday device thing he has yeah it's so interesting when he's on the phone with them and he's like he's like he's like yo your machine malfunctioned and yeah and he, he's like i have run 500 successful simulations with this machine and, and they're like what <laughs> they're like, you're supposed to do it like once a year yeah. <laughs> and he's and they're like well if we ship it out express it's gonna cost as much as the machine he's like that's fine that's fine yeah, yeah. and it's just like well and going you know for someone who's gone through what he went through he doesn't mess around yeah no yeah. it he lives in total fear yeah and and even when he finds out that it was a hoax when they show him oh he, no this was all bullshit he still he still grabs the hat yeah you know like he's still by the end of the show he's no longer wearing the mask um but it's i i thought that that was well really he even says i i came back to get something and he came back to get the tape of Robert Redford because you know he's pissed. Yeah. Or the 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 disc that Adrian addressed to Robert Redford. Yeah. And he wants it as proof to take him down. Right. Um, that was I think my only major complaint was that I don't believe it, it just seemed like a little lazy that Redford would still be president thirty five years later, where it's like that's like what like seven terms or eight terms um, as president from eighty five. Um, it just was like, yeah, that is kind of weird. You'd think the people wouldn't go for that. Yeah, because that's what sort of the issue was in the book that Nixon ran a third time. Like and... a third time, you could believe like, oh, there's some crisis, and he he somehow like manipulated the public, but for decades. Yeah, you know, it it seemed, but you know, I mean, whatever. What are you gonna do? Um, but overall, I mean, the, you know, we, again, we could sit here all day talking about it i mean the show just you know every award it won it absolutely deserved and and i personally hope that they i don't want to i don't want another season i i love this i don't think it needs it no it's a complete story the the last shot with angela you know about to step on the pool i think like that was it's like inception right it's like the perfect ending and you know people get like frustrated by that but i'm like you're just you know, use your imagination. Like, yeah, but I need to know. I have to be told. Yeah, it's like, let, let the story tell yeah. you what it is. You know, the same thing with the ending of WandaVision where people... Uh, don't talk about it yet. All right, well, I'll just say that... I'm two episodes behind. I'll just say that expectations can ruin things for people. And it's like, well, no, you have to let the story tell you what it is. And if the story disappoints you, that that's one thing. But otherwise, like, it's fine, you know? Um, yeah. Low ex- yeah, don't have an expectation, but it's okay to have an an open ending, an open ended ending. Yeah, where it's like because then you leave it to the viewer, rather than have a definitive. You could say the same about the Watchmen book. Yep, I I thought in that ending of the Watchmen book where you know they find the, the, the journal gets sent to the newspaper company, but you don't know 
do they see it and say, oh, this is crap? Do they run with it and publish it? Like, mm-hmm. you don't know. Right. And that's another thing. I know we, I mentioned this on the other episode we recorded, but the HBO show um, paints this idea that the journal did get released to the public, but that the public was kind of divided on whether it was true or not. Right. That's 100% real. That's and I I was blown away by that because in my mind I always thought oh the journal got sent and this is all going to get exposed. Well, that's what happens in Doomsday Clock. Like Adrian's whole world kind of gets fucked up. Yeah. Um. That's that's how Doomsday Clock starts at least uh, the comic. Um. But uh. But I believe both situations. I, I do believe thinking about it more and just looking at how divided you know. A real world can be. I'm like, yeah, I can totally see this. It's so 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 annoying how divided we can be over the dumbest of things. Like, it's annoying when we can be divided over situations when like facts are available. Yeah, like here's facts. You just look at the facts. Then it's like a non-emotional truth, untruth kind of situation. But you know, and for far too many people, emotion trumps logic, and that's. It's just a it's a dangerous way to live, really. I mean, it's just that I think that's true. Um, yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah, but uh, wow. So this has been an absolute blast. Um, I mean, like I said, we could sit here all day dissecting every no- nook and cranny of the show, um, which which is really a gift. And like I said, I don't want a season two because I can keep watching this show, even. Mm-hmm you know, second or third time through, like, I think fourth time through when I watched it. I remember it. you had told me for a long time, you are like, oh, you, you got to watch the HBO show. I think you'll really like it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to, I want to. And then when I finally, we finally sat down to watch it, like, I was hooked from the first episode. I'm yep. like, this is awesome. Yep. I, I was totally blown away. And it's, you know, it's good television when, you know, you're, you're just like, I'm going to put my phone down and watch yeah, this. Yeah, I think know? we binged it. Yeah. Or maybe over two days, but I mean, n- nine episodes is like the perfect length. It's just it's just enough to get through like a weekend or something, mm-hmm. and and you're like, oh, like, and there's and you don't want to stop. Yeah, you know? there's not a lot of filler for no. filler's sake. That's that's why that's why the shorter seasons are so much better. Like, yeah. I love that like Netflix model and like you know the Mandalorian did it. Like, I never feel like there's an episode where I'm like that was dumb. Like it's just like oh like this is still building on what happened, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's what annoyed me about like uh, why I I get turned off more by the CW shows as much as I loved Arrow and Flash when they started. It's like after a while it's like, okay, all right, okay, yeah. like just just pare this pare the season down a little bit. You'll have a much better story, but you know, well, you know this year is a little bit shorter obviously, COVID stuff. And we got a nice short Watchmen show. We did, and it was damn near perfect. Um, it's funny because like, like all the questions I had for you, like you know what what was your favorite character, or favorite you know scene or whatever, like we we went through it all, so I didn't even have to ask, you know, and that's that's pretty pretty awesome discussion. Um, all right, man. Well, we are we're gonna sign off here, and uh, we will sign off by saying. Which came first, chicken or the egg? Because it was Dr. Manhattan.